Hey, this is Steve Nash. You're listening to CITR 101.9, the home of the UBC Thunderbirds. Welcome to Thunderbird Eye here on 101.9 FM. I am Daryl Wiener. Let's just jump into the show. On the show today, we're going to have with us um, from the UBC Thunderbird women's basketball team, Coach, they've got a big weekend coming up in Victoria, Carrie Watts, the athletic director of this university. Y- your athletic director is going to be on with us today. Oh, wow. The pressure's on. <laughs> pressure's on. Bob Phillip is going to be on with us at about 530. Um, we'll also be talking a lot to him about the NCAA and that upcoming decision in uh, April. But to start us off, uh, we have two members of the now 20-2 and two UBC Thunderbird men's basketball team. You like that record? Nate, you with us. It should be a perfect record. should be 20-2, and two, but those two <laughs> losses, it's a tough one to swallow, but that's okay. And with us on the phone, a big friend of this show, Vern Knopp, assistant coach of the UBC team. Vern, how's your Tuesday going? My Tuesday is good because I'm on my couch about to watch the Canucks play. Ah, so. uh, there you yeah. go. He's chilling. He's chilling. Uh, Vern, just so you know, uh, we opened the show with the Mary Tyler Moore theme song there. Wow, yep. If I you got that. that. Nate Yu was actually uh, kind of dancing to it. He was doing a little head popping there. That so, doesn't surprise me in the least. <laughs> is, is that the kind of music he's into? Like Mary Tyler Moore like theme songs maybe what do you what do you really like charles in charge Vern? are we into those kind of no, shows you know what i wouldn't be surprised when uh, actually nate was one of the guys in my van um during our trip to uh, regina and through brandon and that and uh, anytime we played 80s music actually i think nate was the one that found the 80s station so anytime we played it him and tommy nixon and all the other guys were actually uh, kind of popping their heads to it and singing along so it was, uh, mm. i'm not shocked singing along what songs are they singing along to Vern? Uh, I, I couldn't even tell you the names yeah. of them, but uh, they they actually seemed to know most of the words and, and everything, so I was pretty uh, I was quite surprised. This is true. 1980s. Who do you like there, uh, Nate? I can't even remember. I know we were just you know ro- we were rocking out though. Me and Werner in the front seat, so we were having a good old time in Regina. This so. is the this is the MTV generation. Yeah. you're you're a part of. This I, is it. Is it Michael Jackson you're into? Huey Lewis in the news, perhaps? Of course, Michael Jackson. I can always get down to, but. Uh, yeah, I forget very what we were listening to. Uh, you know, it, yeah, it was a few weeks ago, so too many road trips to remember <laughs> yeah, everything. Too, man, too many Manitoba road trips to remember. <laughs> exactly. Uh, on to the games on the weekend, guys. Uh, Thompson Rivers Wolfpack uh, came to town. A big 101-63 win on the Friday. And then Seniors Night, uh, 96-83 on the Saturday. Uh, Vern, Nate had 25 on the Friday. But uh, two points on the sat on the no, he had twenty five on the Saturday, but only two on the Friday. 
Yeah, they kind of had a little rough, rough game there on on Friday, but uh, it really when it, when it came down to it, um, Brent Mallis kind of had, had a huge night, and other guys stepped up. So uh, in a blowout loss, you know, it was no big deal. Nate just one of those things where he just kind of struggled. He was struggling with a bad knee, but uh, more than made up for it on uh, Friday's game, which ended up being the close game. So the 25 he had first on the Saturday was uh, was huge for us. Uh, Vern, uh, then we'll get into Nate here. Your thoughts on the team play? How the coaches feel? On the weekend, uh, I thought Thompson Rivers played a real good game on the Saturday. Uh, yeah, yeah they, definitely. They, uh, no, it's Vern oh, oh, it's Vern still. Oh, okay, on, sorry, Werner. Go out of order here. <laughs> um, no, the uh, Saturday night they, you know, they played. Actually, they started out uh, both nights. Uh, even on Friday night, they came out and had a had a really good, strong first five minutes. Um, and that was kind of the one thing as coaches we didn't really like our starts uh, on the road the previous three weeks. We had uh, got off to strong starts, and for whatever reason, uh, we didn't at home. Um, Saturday, we just honestly we just didn't have a matchup for uh, for Greg Stewart. He uh, you know he had big numbers both nights, um, but you know he's seven two, and when he gets the ball that close to the hoop, he's almost he's pretty much unstoppable. And they had a couple of their perimeter players uh, have huge uh, shooting nights, so uh, you know it was a tough Saturday night. But uh, it was you know as Coach Hans said after the game, it's uh, good that we had a close game because it's been a long time since we had one of those. So. That should get us prepared for this weekend and for playoffs. Yeah, uh, Nate, we'll get into this weekend. From a player's perspective, uh, you've now won 16 in a row to go to 20-2. and two. Was it nice to have a game? I think the last three weekends we were playing uh, some pretty uh, not very good teams. So uh, Brandon especially. It, wasn't, it, was, it was fun. It was fun to finally kick the butt out of some teams. But, uh, no, it's definitely helpful because Nationals, they, there's not going to be one close game uh, I mean, uh, blowout games at Nationals, right? So it's good to get those games right now. And how is it as the player this year on this team, Nate? I mean, you look at the schedule and the standings, it tells you what happened. Uh, Your first three weeks of the year against the top three of the top five teams in the conference, you'll be playing the fourth team this weekend in Victoria, at Victoria. How's it been as a player where you had all the tough games at the start and... Just, have you just been waiting to play these hard games, really? Personally, I wish they, I wish they were spread out, the yeah. games. You know, it's tough that we got those three tough teams at the beginning. But um, uh, in a way, it's good because they haven't played us in a long time. And they're, it's going to be, yeah, so they're going to have to pre- prepare for us and really don't know our, our stuff because they only played us in September. And we're a totally different team since, uh, since October and November. So I'm kind of excited. I'm uh, really excited. Uh, Vern, as a coaching staff, has it been a little hard to keep the players motivated for these games at times? Um, you know, really, in, I guess just in practice at times, it's been hard to keep the guys motivated. Um, and, you know, in games, being a veteran team that we have, you know, we have so many fourth and fifth-year players, um, you know, we've kind of really left it up to the players to get themselves motivated for the games and, and evidenced by the, how our scores on the road. The guys have done a great job with it. Um, you know, it's something we've dealt with in the past, so it's just a matter of trying to keep the guys ready and focused. And, uh, you know, the good thing is that playoffs are coming around the corner and we haven't peaked yet. So I think we're, uh, you know, we're really looking forward to, the, to this weekend in Victoria and, then the, and then into the playoffs. Yeah, Nate, uh, traveling to Victoria on the weekend, um, the big number for you guys, you have to win at least one of two to host the conference championships. And Victoria, a pretty good record, 15-7 and seven on the year. And what I actually like about this Victoria team is they're obviously a rival of yours. They've, they've played you guys a lot over the years. I think this is a team more than most that's almost more comfortable playing you guys than a lot of teams. Um, I would agree with that. I think Bo Cam, out of all the coaches in Canada West, knows our knows our UBC program the best, the uh, systems we run. And um, it'll be fun. It's their seniors night this weekend, so I think we're all pretty jacked <laughs> and pretty, uh, we're going to be excited. Because you, you had a big win. It was a few years ago against them. It was the night they 
Kristen, Ken, and Kathy Shields Court. You remember that one? Oh, uh, that's my that was my breakout game. I think my second year coming out, my coming out party. So uh, yeah, I definitely love playing in that gym. I can't wait for this weekend. It's gonna be fun. And Victoria, if they win one of two this weekend, they host in the first round. So you're gonna get their best. Absolutely, they're gonna be desperate for a win. They don't want to go to Alberta. Our coach is just telling us uh, today, just like the money costs of <laughs> traveling over there, everything. They're, they got all the mo motivation in the world to uh, to beat us, so it's going to be fun. Vern, you're going to get UVic's best basketball this weekend, eh? Yeah, no question. Um, like like you said, their uh, backs are against the wall because uh, they definitely don't want to go. I mean, we can speak firsthand how tough it is to win in Alberta. Um, and for them to have to go on the road, travel, um, just you know, besides the cost as far as what it's going to cost the school, <laughs> Um, tough, tough, tough place to play and to win two out of three there. Well, they'll have their work cut out for them. Um, you know, everybody likes to stay home and play home in, fr in front of their home crowd. So it should be uh, two exciting games this weekend. Uh, tell us about this UVic team, Vern, led by uh, guys, I think he's a fourth-year guy on this team, Ryan McKinnon, and one of their big men who I believe his brother used to play for you guys. They got Mike Berg. You guys used to have his brother, Cody. Yes, uh, Cody um, played for us, I guess, now almost about three three years ago, I think. Um, we recruited Cody out of out of high school. Um, unfortunately, he, at the time, he didn't have the uh, grades to get in, so he went to Douglas and played a couple years. Uh, we were hoping to have Cody for two, three years, but unfortunately, um, after his first year with us, he had some... Uh, he had some offers to go play rugby. He was a, he was a standout rugby player, so that's he ended up making that decision. Um, and Mike is a guy that uh, we looked at him t over the years, but uh, it was just you know we just never had enough room for him. Um, I think in, in hindsight, he probably made a, the right decision at state, uh, staying it out at uh, playing at Vic, and cause he's getting minutes this year and uh, playing really well for him. And obviously, he'll be excited to play us because he knows he knows the history of as far as our program and his and his brother playing at UBC. So it'll be. Uh, you know, I expect big things from him this weekend. Well, hopefully not big things, but he'll be trying to trying to provide uh, some offense and and some rebounding for them. And Ryan McKinnon is just a guy that uh, one of the streaky streaky shooters in the league. Uh, when he's hot, there's probably no one better in the league. So uh, we'll have our work cut out for him to, to try to limit his uh, limit his shot attempts. Nate uh, Ryan McKinnon, I take it you'll be defending him at points on the weekend, hey? Absolutely. He's actually one of my uh, very good friends. Me and McKinnon played provincial team together, and we actually became really good friends. So uh, we always look forward to this weekend of playing each other. So um, it'll be a lot of fun playing him. I can't wait. A little lefty. Lefties are a little bit difficult to guard, but we'll see how it goes. Have you talked during the week here? So? Uh, not yet. I'm sure we will, though, soon, because uh, I'm sure me and who will like to go for a beer after the Saturday <laughs> night game or something. So, yeah. Vern, do you like it that your players are that friendly with the competition? Um, you know, not really. I'm kind of old school that way. Not a big fan of it. But, um, you know, I know Ryan because we, we did have talks with him when, when he was in high school about coming over to playing for us. Again, it was just another thing where we just didn't have enough room for him. Uh, he's a great kid, so, uh, you know, a guy, a guy that we have a lot of respect for. And uh, But, um, you know, it's it's kind of a new era now. Guys guys are all friends, but, uh, you know, I know I know our guys, especially Nate, that, uh, you know, when they're on the court, it's it's not about friendship. It's about uh, beating each other. And then, you know, after, as far as Saturday night goes, they can go have their fun, and I'm okay with that. Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> it. When we're on the court, oh, we want to kill each other on the court, but... When, when, when we're off the court, it's uh, it's all good. So uh, tell us about some of the other guys on Victoria. Give us the backcourt, Nate. Um, they got uh, fifth-year Jeff Cullen. Last year, he actually led us a couple of games. Uh, he's a, he he became a really good player for them. And um, who else they got? They got a Delsetti. He's a tough little tough little grinder guard. Can shoot threes. They're all good shooters. They're all just they're all basically the same kind of players. Have uh, not too many moves. <laughs> shoot the ball. And uh, yeah. 
they're a good defensively, really good defensively team. Defensive what are they going to try to do, Nate, to beat you guys? Oh, man. I haven't really thought about this too much, but uh, I think they're going to have to defend our ball screen real well to 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 hurt us. So we'll see how, we'll see what they do. They can do a bunch of options, uh, so we'll see. Uh, Vern, Victoria, though, always a tough defensive team, which will probably be a good test for you guys going into the playoffs, Final Four, the Nationals, hey? Yeah, since uh, Bocamp uh, has been there, um, they've really been defined as just a defensive a defensive team. Uh, part of that is probably because they, they really struggle to score at times. Um, so they really they try to keep it in the 50s and 60s. And, and with us, you know, as I said over the past week, we try to, against them especially, we'll try to make it a track meet where, you know, if they get one shot, they're, we want to hold them to one shot, get the rebound and get it on the court because if we get it to – you know, if we get it to the 70s and 80s, we just don't think they can score with us, and, and that's kind of our game plan and our mindset going in. What does uh, Victoria do defensively, Nate? Um, I haven't played them in such a long time. I can't even remember, but uh, they're just a good team defense. Like, they're just good team defense. That's what they revolve around. That's what Camp preaches, so um, that's what they do. Vern, do you still have to teach Nate about the defense here? No, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, <laughs> We'll, we'll run some a certain, you know, we, we'll just run our offense and, and make a few adjustments as we go. It's just something that they do is they know our offense really well. They know our, they, they do a great job of, of breaking down our personnel. So they'll try to find, you know, they'll try to take away our strengths and, and, and make guys, you know, and, and try to take advantage of our weaknesses. It's something that they just, their whole system, they stick to it. They, they, they play it out, and, and offensively they slow things down. They'll make a lot of subs just to, just to try to slow the pace down and take you out of your rhythm, and, and that's something what we're used to. But again, it's one of those things where we just go in focusing about focusing on what we have to do, and, and that's just basically getting stops ourselves, getting the rebounds, and getting out and running. Uh, Nate, uh, one thing that is interesting uh, finishing off the games versus you, Vic, is this very could easily be the number one team in the country you're playing this weekend, if all had gone according to plan to them, because if not for transfers... They'd have your guard, Josh White, and Jacob Dirksen. That would be a different team, eh? Absolutely. That's what it should uh, be. Those, those should be their fifth-year guys this year. Absolutely. That would, that would be a very tough team to play, I would have to admit. I never got to play Josh and Dirksen when, when they were on the same team, and uh, I'm sure it was, it was tough games for UBC on those games. How tough would have that combo have been this year, Vern? Oh, you know what? No question, it would have been it would have been tough. But um, you know what? I have a lot of confidence in our in our coaching staff and in our program. Um, you look back at the you look back at the records when they did have Josh and, and Jacob. Although um, with Jacob, the one year's rookie year, they did they did go to the national championship finals. Um, you still look at their records. We had a winning record with those guys uh, on their roster. So. Hey, we, we, we love the fact that Josh has chosen to come to our program. He's been a huge success in our program and a huge reason why we are, we are where we are in the standings. And, uh, but, you know, it's hindsight's 2020. It's no, it's no big deal. Those players decided to leave for, for various reasons, and, um, you know, us and Trinity were the benefactors from it. Uh, it was seniors' night on the weekend for three UBC players, Brett Malish, Alex Murphy, and Josh White. Uh, Vern, Nate here gave a speech. Uh, yes, he did, and I uh, was actually quite in, uh, impressive with his speech. Um, he had uh, a lot of the people in hysterics at different times and uh, was very well-spoken, So, uh, which, if you really know, if most of us didn't know Nate, where it wasn't really surprised. He's, uh, when he doesn't say talk very often, but when he does, he, uh, he's very well-spoken. Yeah, you felt good about your speech? No, oh, absolutely. I felt like... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I felt like I shocked everyone in the room, especially my co my head coach and my coaches. Yeah, they were pretty surprised. And uh, Kev looked at me right after, and he's like, oh, you might be the leader of the team next year. <laughs> so uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, Graham Bath or Nate You, whose speech you prefer, Vern? Um, you know what? Graham's done a few more speeches, but Nate killed it on Saturday. So I, I guess. Yeah, Werner. <laughs> There you go, the big, the big. Were you nervous for the speech? Oh, absolutely. I had to yeah. drink. I had to drink a few beers before I got up on the stage. <laughs> I definitely had to, uh, yeah, calm the nerves down a little bit. Because, because, Vern, what I heard is his brother uh, Jordan gave one of the best of all time. So pressure for this guy, hey? Yeah, there was pressure. I mean, Jordan, as far as his fifth year go, I don't think there was a dry eye in the room. Um, it was just, it was one of the speeches for all times, and. Uh, Ironically, uh, uh, Jordan showed up for the showed up for the seniors' night, but he missed Nate's speech, and, uh, and I told him he was uh, that he missed he missed a great speech, and he was a little disappointed with that. But at the same time, uh, he was a proud older brother. Your brother missed your speech, eh? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Always missing those important moments in my life, okay? Uh, Vern, um, and the playoffs is going to start, and I talked to you about this, but this is really our last show to get into before the season's over. Next year's team. Um, it's it's a real veteran UBC team this year, and more than any other year, it seems that the bench is a shortened, and you don't have those young players playing a ton of minutes. Am, am I correct on that assessment, Vern? Um, yeah, yeah, you are. It's definitely a veteran team, and to be a, a first year, second year player on this team is is pretty difficult because you have guys like guys like Nathan coming off the bench. Nate could start for any team in Canada probably the last two three years. Um, but he's accepted his role coming off the bench first this year. Um, you know, you look at all the fourth and fifth year players we have, so it's difficult. But uh, you know, Tommy Nixon had some had some good moments on Friday. Struggled a little bit Saturday, but uh, he's a guy that's got some minutes. And had Mike Lewandowski not uh, hurt his knee early in the year and then come down with mono, we, we feel he would have been a guy in the rotation, giving us some minutes. But uh, you know what? We can't. We're in a good situation where it's a strong veteran team, a lot of leadership, and. Uh, Hopefully that'll take us a long way in coming into the playoffs next week. Uh, Vern, my question, though, is just regarding next year, and we'll leave next year after this show, but the fact that it just seems like such a veteran unit, is that going to leave you guys almost a little uh, inexperienced for next year with a lot of these players? Um, you know what? Not really, because, again, we got we got Nathan, Graham, Graham Bath coming back, Melvin Yu coming back, um, Balraj Baines possibly be coming, could be coming back. Um, who else? Kamar Burke, Burke so Doug Plum. We'll yeah. have some guy. Tommy Nixon will be in his second year playing, but third year with us because he, he's redshirted. So, you know, and, and, the, and the guys we got coming in are going to be able to compete for jobs and, uh, and give us good quality minutes next year, as well as a guy like Mike Lewandowski, who although, and Jeff, Jeff Piffis, who haven't redshirted this year, but guys that got minutes earlier in the year, we think they'll be able to step up and contribute. Will we be younger? Absolutely. But, uh, it just means it's going to be more of a burden going to have to fall on Nate and, uh, and Graham Bath. Yeah, Nate, and, you know, I know we're still in this year, but this is kind of the show to, to at least look forward to next year because they're starting to recruit. We see who these red shirts are. What is your assessment? What kind of team do you think we're looking at next year? I know this year's not over, but you're going to be a fifth-year guy next year. What are you thinking? For, uh, I try not to think about it too much, <laughs> honestly, because uh, Murph and Josh White are such important players. I think I got two of the best point cards in the country. I do have the best point cards in the country, right. and uh, it's going to be very difficult to replace them next year. And um, I don't know who's going to fill that point card position, but that position is so vital to a good team. So um, it pretty much revolves around <laughs> how that point guard position is going to go for me, honestly. Vern, what are you guys doing about the point guard? 
Uh, you know, it's uh, kind of a work in progress right now. Um, you know, we have a few options. Um, you know, it might be kind of point guard by committee, actually. Uh, Nate, when he was actually recruited, was actually recruited kind of as a point guard. But uh, because we had so many other guys that we kind of turned him into a two guard. But uh, there's some guys out there that we're, uh, that we're looking at that we're possibly bringing in. It's just kind of like I said, uh, we don't have anything uh, set in stone yet. But, uh, you know, we'll figure it out. We, we usually, uh, we, we always do. <laughs> uh, do you want to play point guard next year? Absolutely not. <laughs> in, in, my senior speech, in my senior speech, I actually said that uh, playing point guard at UBC is pretty much like signing an early death. So, But who knows? Ra- we'll Ra- see how it goes. Randy nor Kevin Hansen, the two former point guards uh, there, Vern, the toughest coaches to probably play for as a point guard? Uh, oh, absolutely. Um and I've seen I've seen this, just a look on some of the point guards' faces over the years, and you just uh, you have to feel for them because uh, the uh, expectations are really out of this universe sometimes. But um, you know, it's, it, you take the good with the bad because they're getting they're getting some of the best. Uh, the, anybody who wants to play point guard is getting some of the best coaches, uh, guys, guys that played that position. So uh, you know, it's uh, it has its uh, great moments and it has they have they have their struggles, but. Uh, but over the years, you look at our, our production at the point guard spot. We've had some pretty successful players from Carlo Villanueva to Jordan U to uh, Josh and uh, Alex over the years. So, uh, you know, we'll figure it out. It's something that, uh, you know, something that we're not too concerned about at this moment. How did your brother like playing point guard here? Uh, I think it was a working progress. I think yeah. he hated it at first, but then by his fifth year, he was loving it and uh, having that leadership and uh, important role on the team. Well, he had. Uh... All due respect to you guys, with Pasha Baines and Casey Archibald, the two best fast break guys I've ever. He could just throw it up the court, and you'd see a dunk at the other end, basically. He he, t- he, t- he tells me that all the time. Actually, I was like, so what was it like playing point guard? Pretty easy, just pass the ball up ahead to Casey and Pasha. That was your job. That was my job for the game. So that that was your running gun best team you've ever had, Avern. Eh, um, yeah, as far as offensively, yeah, that team, uh, those two could light up in a hurry and. Uh, and you know, uh, Jy uh, Jordan was was pretty pretty corrected in the assessment. It was like <laughs> bring the ball up to center, or even sometimes just get the outlet pass and fire to one of them, and kind of let them let them do their thing. So, uh, but with that said, you know, we we never got past the first round with those guys. So uh, the teams we've had the last two years, um, you know, I think going into the playoffs this year, they might be our strongest team we've ever had. Uh, is there uh, Nate with how you guys have had success in the national tournament, getting to the finals last two years? Is there not almost like your first two years, of course, losing in the first round, and that's what this program was doing back then. Is there less anxiety, you think, heading into playoffs now than there used to be? You're shaking your head. No, eh? No, I think there's even more anxiety now because <laughs> anything's a letdown. Yeah. If we don't get that championship, anything's a letdown because we should be getting that banner. We should have had it the last two years, I think. So it's going to be tough, but we're ready for it. Vern, championship or bust now, hey? Yeah, you know, honestly, with our coaching staff, that's been that's been it ever since we got to nationals. I mean, anytime, anytime you get to nationals, the goal is to win the championship, and there's nothing else. And uh, you know, that said, this team, we have guys that have lost, know what it's like to lose in the first game of nationals. We now now have guys that know what it's like to get to the finals and lose. And you know, we're, we're battle tested, we're battle hardened, and, and I think that will uh, will only help us uh, going to the championship rounds this year. That said, we have to get there first. Well, yeah, and getting there, but the other one thing, Vern, is that you guys haven't done in Nate's career, and even Brent and Alex have never done this in their career here at UBC. Those two guys have never won a conference championship at home. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's actually, you know what, quite surprising. Um, thanks for bringing up the negative again. Uh, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, for whatever reason, over the last years, I mean, even look at our games this year, our, our record is is much better on the run. I mean, this year we lost one at home and, and won one at home. But um, you look at our the, the way we've performed, we've definitely been a, a road uh, a road team over as opposed to a home team. But, uh, you know, this year's a new year, and, uh, you know, we're playing at a different level right now. So hopefully uh, – We'll be able to uh, get those guys their uh, their first Canada West uh, home championship. Yeah, did you know? Well, you knew that. I knew You've that. been there. I knew that. <laughs> uh, the, the UBC has lost their three last uh, conference championships they've hosted at home. The last three. Yeah, I remember That's Calgary, Calgary, Sask last and year. Vic. It was Vic when your brother was here. Yeah, and you Vic. Yeah, it was Vic. Yeah, the, you guys won it back in what was it like 2002? You beat Alberta, right, Fern? Uh, yeah, I think we've won. Pretty sure we won. I thought we won two, two at home. But, no, you uh, won one at home. It was one with. I know we beat Alberta when Kyle Russell went for forty-two. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so. Uh, but you know, with that said, yeah, we've lost a few at home, but we've also won in tough places like Calgary and Brandon. Yep. So, you know, we've. It's all like we haven't won one before, so it's just a matter of uh, taking care of business at home this year. And this team, how well is it playing? You're saying it, Nate. It's playing better now than it has all year. Is that what you're? Absolutely, I think we're we're starting. To, I think the most important thing is everyone knows their roles right now, and everyone's buying into the uh, system and the eight-man rotation. The seniors aren't complaining at all right <laughs> now, so we're, we're liking it. We're getting all we're getting a lot of minutes, and that's what it takes. I think I think eight men deep is all all we need. Because that has been a how it worked here at UBC your first two years, Nate. Is you're going eleven, maybe even twelve players playing in the first half in games. Absolutely. And you are a beneficiary of that in your young career. Uh, so I appreciate it. I definitely am very appreciative of, of all of that. But um, right now we're, we're an older team, and we've been through a lot, a lot of pain yeah. <laughs> and a lot of success. So, uh, no, we're ready, for, we're ready for anything. Is this your most venture team you guys have had, Vern? Um, yeah, I would, I would have to think so. I mean, there's been years where I think we had maybe four seniors, but maybe a couple of them didn't play as much. Um, but with, I mean, you'll just look at our rotation. It's all the fourth and fifth year guys are the, are the guys that are getting the heavy minutes. So, uh, yeah, no question. It's our most veteran team and definitely most battle-tested team by far. And uh, what kind of team are you guys, Vern? Because that's sort of something we didn't see in the first half of the year, but it seems you're getting that identity now. What kind of team do we have here? You know what, we've always always been considered an offensive juggernaut, but I, and I, but I really think over the last couple of years we really haven't got enough credit for, for our defense um, you know, there's been times where Victoria's always considered a, a defensive, such the best defensive team. But in years past, we've actually had a better record defensively, or been like maybe average giving up two two points a game than them. But our point differential is always, you know, plus 20, 20 plus usually on teams. So, um, you know, what? we're just a we're just a veteran, hardworking veteran team that just figures out a way to get it done. And that's and I think that's the best way to sum it up. I don't think it's just an offensive team or a defensive team. I think we, we provide the whole package. Awesome. Uh, Vern, not Vern, thanks as always. Thank you. Awesome. And uh, Nathan, you. Uh, Nate, appreciate it. Best of luck in Victoria on the weekend. As always, winner. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to 101.9 FM. Uh, my name's Evan. I'm a student here at UBC and a volunteer at CITR. CITR to me is a place where I can do whatever I am interested in. And that's why I'm asking you to support CITR. Give us a call at 604-822-8648. UBC unit. And donate to keep us running. Thanks.
CITR Fund Drive 2010, November 16th to 25th. Visit CITR.ca to learn more. Welcome back to Thunderbird Eye here on 101.9 FM CITR Radio. Uh, with us on the line, always great to have him on the show, the Athletic Director of the University of British Columbia, Mr. Bob Phillip. Bob, thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Daryl. Um, Bob, let's just uh, jump into it. Lots to get to. Uh, it's a very exciting time on this uh, campus and revolving around sports right now. But uh, your teams, we're sort of in that fun time of the year. Playoffs are getting going this weekend. And I want to start off with what has to be considered your, I think, undoubtedly your number one sports program over the last three years, the women's volleyball team three-time defending national champions, ranked number one in the country with the sweep at Thompson Rivers this weekend. They get that first round by and are going to be hosting the Canada West Final Four Championship uh, two weeks from now. Doug Reimer and the team, another great season. Well, that's true. And, uh, you know, winning three years in a row is really, uh, really something. And they've got a solid team again this year. They started off a little slowly. They were missing some key players. But uh, once they got going, they were really good. And since Christmas, they've been ranked one. And, uh, full value for that and it looked like a few weeks ago bob they weren't going to get it It looks like victoria or uh, sorry trinity western kind of had that first place spot in the bag they seem to have a different well each of the sports has a different criteria for deciding uh first first place and in the case of a tie and of course the two teams have the same record but and in the head-to-head uh trinity western won both games but that was early in the season and because you play two games at home and against the same team, it goes on differential games yep. won and lost, and UBC's ahead in that. But I think uh, it's going to be really interesting because three of the four teams in the Final Four will go to the Nationals. So the first nights will be really uh, important, but that bronze medal game will have an added significance as well. And, Bob, uh, one team where i got to say, uh, I don't know if you're going to defend the Canada West here or not, the UBC women's basketball team, um, they went to Alberta this year, split, 
and UBC actually won the point differential by quite a large margin. They had to do that on the road. And if UBC sweeps Victoria this weekend, they will tie with Alberta for fourth place. But Alberta, not UBC, gets the tiebreaker and home court in the first round of the playoffs. It's Alberta gets it. And the reason is it came down to who had the better record versus common, highest common opponent on the same court. And Alberta gets it because they had a better record versus Winnipeg this year. Bob, I did not agree with that being the tiebreaker at all. I think the problem is uh, coach. we let the coaches make the decisions on that and uh, as athletic directors, and mm-hmm. uh, they want to do that. And that's why you have it different in each sport. They're kind of the experts in their sports. Women's basketball and men's basketball, as you know, are different as well. In the, in the men's basketball, UBC will have the tiebreaker if it ends up in a tie with Trinity Western because they won the two games. So that that's kind of a strange one. But every year that we seem to have a different set of criteria for, for breaking ties, it gets a little bit confusing, but that's just the way it is. Uh, Bob, Bob you got to pre- uh, prefer at least we get consistency in these sports, eh? I think consistency is good, but I also I think that there are different. I would like to see consistency, say, in men's and women's basketball and men's and women's volleyball. Right. But maybe it's different. Volleyball might be different. Although, if you look at the schedules now in volleyball and basketball, they all play two games away against one opponent and not any at home against that. So that, in some cases, is taken into account, and some other coaches don't feel that that's the way to go. And uh, on it, it would sure be easier for us if they were consistent, so we'd know what was going on. <laughs> I tell you, I didn't know what was going on. Um, Bob, on to the men's basketball team, uh, twenty and two with a split this weekend in UVic. They will be hosting the conference championship. I will say, Bob, I did book my flight to Halifax today uh, for the national championship tournament. Is there a team on campus that deserves to win a national championship more? than the UBC men's basketball team. You know, we talked about it for years with women's volleyball because, as you know, you've been part of it for a long time. They were there about 11 years in a row, I think. And uh, a few of those years, I'm sure they had the best team in the country. But once again, it comes down to one game. There was years, it was the year we lost because Alberta hosted. And there's always been, there's, there's a lot of things that go into winning. That's why when you win multiple championships, it's so good. But, yes, uh, it would be great to see them win. They've been there the big thing was getting to the Nationals, then the big thing was winning that first game, and now it's winning the last game. So two years in a row they've lost, once to Carleton, once to Saskatchewan, and uh, I know they're pumped to do it again. They've got a really good team. They're playing really well right now, but once again it's going to come down to, I think one of the things that will help this year is playing the last two games at Vic. That's uh, going to be a really tough weekend. They need to win one to, to clinch uh, home uh, home in the Final Four. And uh, wh- whoever their opponent is in that two out of three the following week is going to be pretty good so we're down to where you can maybe lose one more game uh bob do you blame me we 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 figure let's save a little money did i do the right thing booking my trip to halifax today well i think that's pretty safe bet the team's been there for many many years and there's nothing like being being confident but we haven't booked the team slate yet if that's what you're asking (laughs) uh bob men's volleyball team uh lost two of Kamloops on the weekend to finish the season at seven and eleven Seventh in the Canada West, they will go on the road this weekend to play at Calgary in the playoffs, a team that has a great record at 16-2. and Calgary won both games. They played UBC this year. Uh, your assessment of how your men's volleyball program is coming along and what's probably the toughest conference in the country, maybe any sport, the Canada West in men's, basket, in men's volleyball. I think if I check the standings or the top ten today, there are seven teams from Canada West in the top ten. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a dogfight. I was just talking to Richard Chick the other day about the number of games we've had this year that went five. Both games in Calgary went five. One one night we were up two nothing and lost three two. So 
they're certainly confident that they can go in there and win, but it's not going to be easy. Calgary was undefeated until this weekend, and they dropped out of first place by losing twice to Alberta. So, yeah, the top teams in this league are very tough. <clears throat> Thompson Rivers is very tough as well. I don't think that was as important because at the end of the day, they were going to play Calgary or Alberta away. Um, but, yeah, they showed some improvement this year. Making the playoffs is a big thing for them. But it would be nice. I know Richard would like to see, and I know the guys would like to go a little further. They've got a young team again this year. But I think that uh, um, they have a chance in Calgary, but it's not going to be easy. Uh, and, Bob, keeping it going now, women's hockey uh, lost two games on the weekend, 4-2 at home versus Manitoba. Uh, they finished sixth place on the season, 7-16-1. and one. Uh, Your assessment on your women's hockey program? I think the, the, that everybody expected they'd do uh, better this year in terms of wins and losses. I know they had some injuries, and they had a couple of key games in the second half where, where they had a few players missing because they were of sickness, but I think that happens to every team. They started off really well. They, their first four games were in Edmonton and Calgary, and they split both. So it looked like they were off to a good start. They were doing really well until they went to Lethbridge and lost a couple of games there that everybody thought they should win. And so they probably haven't performed as well as most people thought they would. They were in a lot of games this year, and uh, a lot of the games that they had in the past, there were, there were uh, seasons in the past where they'd go in and get outshot 40-6 to six and stuff like that. But they were in there this year. I think they, were, they did well against uh, the top teams, although... Uh, in the second half, some teams picked it up. When we played Alberta in the second half, they looked a lot better than the first time. So um, we've got a little bit of work to do. We lost a couple of players we thought would be back and uh, got to go out and get some, some players. It would be nice. We, that's a team that should be able to make the playoffs. It's struggled, and uh, we're hoping next year that we'll see a big improvement. Awesome. And, uh, Bob, um, NCAA. NCAA, obviously the big topic on campus. And with regards to your UBC men's hockey team, which as you, is going to struggle to make the playoffs this year, uh, Milan Dragasevic really had it tough because of the uncertainty with you guys going NCAA and what's going to happen from there with the players with junior eligibility. Bob, it's been many years now with this NCA topic on campus, but I hear it's coming to a head in April. Can you update us on the status of UBC's NCAA situation and the decision in April? Is it coming in April? Well, I've been told by a good authority, the president, that it will be. Uh, if we don't make a decision in April, then we'll, in fact, have made a decision for one more year because we need to start the process if we're going to apply in time. Um, I think that we're doing exactly what we said we'd do. Once the door got opened, we've done some due diligence. The president had an initial committee which made a report, didn't make any recommendations, but looked at some of the issues. And now we've got an updated report. Uh, it's up to the minute. We're trying to compare things. Uh, you know, there were people before that said, well, you shouldn't go, be but the CIS should do more and so on and so on. Well, we've got an update now as to where all of that stands. It's not as easy. I know Simon Fraser went through. Simon Fraser always played in the United States. They were a good fit right back into GNAC, and they went. The university was prepared and was looking to, to get the academic accreditation. That's something UBC has done on an individual faculty basis. It hasn't done university-wide. It's considering doing it in the future anyway, but not necessarily. it wasn't planning to do it necessarily as quickly as, uh, as would have to happen in this case. And then again, there's some issues that we had to solve in hockey in, in uh, NCAA for ourselves. With hockey is a sport we have, Simon Fraser doesn't. We have men's volleyball, they don't. So there were some things that we needed to do. We certainly haven't rushed it. At the end of the day, we'll make the right decision, um, and and hopefully we'll get it all. We'll get it done the right way. You mentioned men's hockey. Yes, it's been difficult not only for them. It's been difficult for everybody in trying to recruit students. When when students choose a school, they're looking for certainly the academic component, but they're also looking for some stability. Where are they going to play? 
in the case of Milan, you're right. Most I think he's got about nine or ten major junior players this year that would not have been eligible had we moved. But hopefully we'll have some lead time. Uh, he's been honest with everybody he's recruited, and he said to them, you know, um, I, I, we we're planning to go maybe to the NCAA, but I've been and you may only have one or two years, but I've been telling players that now for five and six years and some of them have gone right through their used up their whole eligibility and we're still in Canada uh Bob and let me be clear on this one President Toop is going to make this decision pretty much on his own in the end it's not going to be some board voting or anything it's it's President Stephen Toop's decision uh, the president indicated to me that the decision would be made by himself in conjunction with the executive team it would not necessarily he's he's definitely will consult the consult the board he'll definitely consult Senate and, and if you look at What's out there now online with uh, this new report? There are a number of entities and interested parties being consulted. So um, I think that certainly at the end of the day, anybody who's had any interest in this will have been had an opportunity to be consulted and 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 say their piece. And um, when he takes a look and at, at at all the issues and what's the best course of action to take for UBC, he'll make that decision. Has President Toop hinted to you at anything? He's very good. I spent some time with him in. Uh, in Asia this year. Uh, in fact, I was in a taxi with him when I was the only one with Hong Kong money, but he still <laughs> wouldn't let me, wouldn't tell me what he was thinking of doing. So, um, but, uh, you know, he's been very good at, at doing that, and I, I think that's exactly what he should be. He's been very poker-faced about it. He may have already made up his mind. I'm not sure, but I, I really don't think so. I think he's actually looking at, at the evidence, and uh, will make his decision in the time that he's indicated. Is he a sports fan? I wouldn't say that he was uh, a sports fan as, as much as he might be a fan of the arts. He's certainly been immersed in sports since he's been here. Maybe he wasn't intending to be as immersed as much as he is, but he's learning a lot about uh, sports right now. And I think that I think he's an interested. I think he's interested in a lot of things that go on at UBC and in activities that involve students. And sports is one of them. He is a regular at the Big Block Banquet. He's a regular at the Millennium Breakfast, and he hosts the uh, breakfast every year for the academic All-Canadians. So he's certainly a participant in that sense. And, uh, Bob, CIS problems, obviously the two big problems, scholarships and if they were going to go to a tiered system, which the basketball players at this school who I'm talking to are saying it's becoming a major problem with the quality of competition that's coming into the Canada West uh, Basketball League. Um, those are problems. Let me be clear on this. The CIS isn't changing their ways on those issues. Well, the indication that we've had from the CIS is no, that uh, there was some movement last year to try and come up with a more liberal scholarship issue, but it didn't get, uh, it didn't make it to the floor of the AGM. There's a division right now, and it's been there for a number of years in Canada, I think that it, on the scholarship issue and also on the Turing issue, and I think one of the problems is that the CIS is trying to find common ground, and that isn't what the way to go. I really believe you need to have choice. If there are schools that are committed to doing what we're currently doing, then that's fine. And if there are schools, and there are a number of them, who think that we should be actually doing what we say we want to do, and that is, you know, right now the CIS says we want to be the number one choice for Canadian student-athletes, and uh, or high school athletes, and they've also identified scholarships as the number one reason people go to the United States. So unless you're prepared to do something about that issue, it's going to be very difficult to do what you say you want to do. So I think we have to rethink it. I, I think there's enough schools right now to have eight schools or ten schools in the West and eight or ten or twelve in the East in a, in a Tier 1 where there's a more liberal scholarship. I'm not suggesting we go to the extent that the NCAA does, but a more liberal scholarship to try and keep some 
uh, some of the other athletes that are in Canada who are currently going south. And also, uh, those schools would have to make a commitment to a minimum, say, of 10 or 12 sports. You have schools right now, to be a member of the CIS, you only have to be in one men's and one women's sport. So I think you need to raise that bar. They're starting to do that a little bit. But again, uh, you're never going to get a vote on scholarships or tiering as long as everybody has a kick at it. And some people, there are people that don't want to be considered second tier, but they really don't want to step up to be Division One either. So we have this kind of, it's kind of like a Canadian attitude in some ways that we want to be something for everybody. But you can be something for everybody by having two divisions as well. Uh, and Bob, um, just to clarify for the listener right now, if you do go NCAA, it's of course NCAA Division Two, but hockey, you will be and men's hockey. You will be NCAA Division One, and men's volleyball. You will and, also and be and women's NCAA. hockey and so women's hockey and women's hockey and men's volleyball would be Division One. Everything right. else would start off in Division Two. We also would be playing, I believe, because we would the NCAA would accommodate our alpine skiers, men's and women's, and also our women's rollers. So we would have, uh, right, right now we have 21 sports currently uh, competing in the NAI or in the CIS, and that would go up to 24. Um, and, Bob, can you give me an update? I've been hearing things. You have been approached or you have been in conversations with the hockey conferences, and what occurred, just so the listener knows, is Penn State has started a hockey team, or they're going to in a couple of years, and therefore the Big Ten is creating a hockey conference, and three teams from each of the major conferences are going to create with Penn State that Big Ten conference. It is seven teams, but they're the Big Ten conference, so there's really three spots opened up in two of the major conferences in this league. Can you confirm that? Well, most of the conferences right now are hockey only, as you know. This would be different in the Big Ten if they add hockey, but the Western League is a hockey-only conference, so is the CCHA. There was another conference called CHA that had five teams, and it folded. One of the teams dropped hockey, and uh, the others were absorbed. Three of them were absorbed in, in other conferences, and one, Alabama Huntsville, has actually is playing as an independent. But, uh, yes, we've had dialogue with the two conferences that make sense the Western League and the CCHA. The two Alaska schools, who are also members of GNAC, they compete in Division One hockey, one in the Central and one in the, in the Western League. So we have had conversations with both. We went to San Antonio in April to talk to the two conferences as well. Uh, there is some movement um, because, as you say, Penn State will add hockey officially uh, in 2014, although they would be competing on an exhibition basis in 2013. And... Uh, there's been some movement. There are only 56 hockey teams in Division One in the United States, which is a lot less than the number of uh, basketball or other sports. So hockey's looking to try and expand a little bit, and then where you can go is quite limited right now. So I think we'd be quite attractive, certainly with the new arena and the location in Vancouver. It's easy to get to. It's a hockey city. We hosted the Olympics. Everybody knows about Vancouver. So I think there's certainly some uh, support for from both conferences for looking at adding UBC. And I think having women's hockey... There are much less, there's a lower number of women's hockey teams as well, and I think that's attractive too. Uh, Bob, I know this is out of your control, but is it also a fair question to say here at UBC that with, as you mentioned, hockey, and you guys are sort of starting all the dialogue, and maybe there's going to be some schools, maybe a school like McGill or one of the Toronto-based schools or even Alberta, that if you guys don't go NCAA now, if you went now, you would have the front head start on if any other Canadian schools join. But if you don't go now, and say you go five, ten years from now, by then there might already be a lot of Canadian schools in, in the NCAA. Is that something that's fair to say? I don't. Well, it's fair to say. It's speculation. No. I don't really think there'll be a, a large number of schools looking at it. My understanding is that one or two schools, you mentioned McGill, are looking to see what UBC does. 
Simon Fraser is different because they were, as I said, they've always played in the U.S., so they leave, they leave, they came and went. But everybody else, uh, I don't think there'll be a big rush to join. Uh, there may be one or two. You mentioned Alberta. You mentioned McGill. There's certainly possibilities. But don't forget, what's open right now is a pilot project, which has a, a lifespan, and I think at the end of that, the, the NCAA will decide whether it's going to open the doors continually to foreign schools. It's, it was limited to Canadian schools initially, but it, the reason that it got open, not only because, well, the reason was that we went and lobbied, but there are Mexican, actually, schools from the Caribbean and even as far as Japan mm. have, who have inquired about joining the NCAA. So the NCAA is taking a look at whether it should be global or remain in the United States, and at the end of the pilot project, they'll be able to make that decision. Uh, is it possible, though, you go NCAA? Is this, could they end up kicking you out if they decide? They, they indicated that if you were, once you became a member of the NCAA, you would stay in. Okay. But they, would, might, they might just close the door to, to future. Right, right, uh, right. You know, I mean, nothing is forever. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago, you, you couldn't get in the NCAA. Yeah. Now you can. Um, and, Bob, uh, just so the listener knows, five years minimum before you guys, if you choose to go NCAA Division One, and but I think a more realistic number would be 10 years if you guys did, to, did decide to go? I know now in the – we didn't talk about Division One initially, but because it came up so often and even was even raised by some faculty, you, you did have people on campus – who thought it would be good to go to the NCAA if it could be Division One? You had others that thought it would be okay to go if it was only Division Two. So there was there is a note in the in the current uh, in the current uh, publication which says that Division One would be an option down the road. So yes, we're committed to joining to playing in Division Two. Um, we we've, we've indicated that we would play there for ten years. Anything could happen, I guess. But it's a minimum of five, as you say. Yeah. And um, I, I think that. There's been, if you take a look at the the length of the debate that we've had right now, and I, I think a big part of this debate, I, I might be wrong, but I think a big part has to do with the academic, in, uh, academic accreditation piece. But having said that, I think if you were in Division Two and you wanted to look at Division One, I would think that would be a major debate because initially you would have to invest some resources and you'd have to weigh the investment against the potential benefits of going. And I think that down the road that debate could occur, but it's not something that we'll be looking at now, and we're certainly looking. We're not looking beyond uh, Division Two, other than the sports that we've indicated would start off in Division One. Right. D- get in. Get in the door first, eh? <laughs> well, I think you need to do that, but yeah. more importantly, I think you have to take a look at what it entails. Like once you get there, there's a lot of speculation as to what it would be like to play in the states, and can we do this, and can we do that? Well, once we get down there, and once we start doing it. Um, down the road, you'd have something to measure. We know what it's like in Canada. Canada could change. I mean, who's to say that within five to ten years, the options could be Division One, Division Two, or some new association in Canada? But we we would have an option. We've always said that taking part in the pilot project was being done to keep our options open. It's not anything that's forever. Simon Fraser went, came back, went back. Uh, I think that uh, with the door being open and it's a more global situation right now, uh, there, there could be many other opportunities. I, I think that the NCAA will uh, open the door, keep the door open to schools who may want to join in the future. Who knows what will happen in Canada? There are a lot of colleges becoming universities, so that number could grow as well. But there aren't that many other universities in the United States that are large that aren't currently in the NCAA. Right. And I think that uh, so they may want to look, as you say, uh, there may be a couple of schools in uh, in Canada that would be interested and they may be interested in getting them in but I just don't I don't think it's going to be a big rush for schools to join 
But I think that for UBC, before we do anything in the future, there will be another debate. Awesome. Bob Phillip with us right now. Bob, the athletic director for the University of British Columbia. Thank you for joining us, as always. Thanks, Daryl. Okay, Bob. Hey, bye. All right, that was our athletic director. Okay, everybody, uh, we're just going to finish off the show with one more interview. The UBC Thunderbird women's basketball team is going to be traveling to Victoria on the weekend. Huge games for them. They need to split, or they need a sweep, I'm sorry. No, it is a split uh, to guarantee the fifth spot in the Canada West, and that pretty much puts them in the driver's seat to go to a regional championship tournament. It's such a long story. It's confusing. We'll just get to the interview. Here's my interview with Kerry Watts, assistant coach for the UBC Thunderbird women's basketball team. All right, our next guest from the UBC Thunderbird women's basketball team, former player, now coach. She won, was it, was it, I'm going to say two national championships, Kerry. Well, if you count one as a coach, one as a player, then yes. Okay, well, we'll stick with that one. Uh, Carrie Watts with us right now. She won, as she said, one championship as a player, one as a coach. Um, Currently coaching the UBC Thunberg women's team who have, Carrie, I think it's safe to say your biggest weekend of the year. You're 15 and 7, traveling to Victoria, who's also 15 and 7. And we'll get into why in a moment, Carrie, but. This is uh, pretty big this weekend, hey? Oh, definitely, yeah. We, you know, we've been trying to stress all year that every game is a really big game, and uh, unfortunately we didn't get a lot of those over the course of the year, so now it's even coming down to this last weekend is even more important in terms of the implications for playoffs. So. Yeah, Carrie, you're both tied for fifth place right now, and where that's important is, before we get into it, though, you cannot host, even if you sweep this weekend, if you're if you're seventeen and seven and, and Alberta seventeen and seven, they get the tiebreaker, right? Yeah, that is correct. In the past, it's been on the point spread. When we went to Alberta earlier on in the season, we um, lost by three on the first night and then ended up winning by seventeen on the second night. Um, so the point spread is in our favor, but the criteria for the tiebreaking um, has changed recently and. Uh, the one that comes as the most important is the head-to-head against uh, top-ranked competition, which comes down to our series against Winnipeg, which unfortunately Alberta split and we got swept. So that puts us behind Alberta in the tiebreak. But, Carrie, to make it even more confusing, it's not common opponent. It's common opponent that you faced on the same court, isn't it? Yes, yeah, <laughs> that we both hosted. So, yeah, it did. There were lots of... Uh, things that we had to pick apart while we were going through all the different uh, definitions and, and the procedures there. So, Because, Carrie, if it was normally the old point differential versus Alberta, as you said, you would get that. Um, how upset were you and Coach Deb Hewitt, and how confused were you when you saw that the first tiebreaker was the common record versus Winnipeg? Yeah, well, we were looking at it last week. We'd, we'd kind of been assuming as well that based on the point spread we were going to get the hosting and then Deb said oh we better take another look at that just to make sure and when we did go back and look at it there was a lot more the point spread is part of the criteria but it's number four on the list so we would have to be tied all the way through a number of other criteria including the games against common opponents at home on the road people in playoffs people out of playoffs all sorts of different things so it did take a little bit to pick through it, but uh, unfortunately, yeah, it didn't work out the way we were hoping it would. Uh, but, Carrie, huge weekend versus Victoria, and one of what makes it such a big weekend is whoever wins between you guys this weekend um, will have that fifth place spot, and the way it works in the playoffs this year is the top five teams from Canada West ranked after the Final Four. It's really confusing, but basically if you're fifth place going into the playoffs, excellent shot to go to regionals 
Yes. Well, but if you're in sixth place, you'll either have to win your first-round series or get some help. So a big weekend this weekend does really give you that playoff buffer, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it will, will help us out if it does come down the road that the first weekend in the Canada West quarterfinals, if that were to happen to not work out in our favor, the fifth-place spot would guarantee us a spot at regionals. But there is also the chance that a sixth-place spot, depending on what happens in all the other conferences in their playoffs, could end up being an option as well. But that's too far down the road, so we'd rather just take care of business this weekend and make sure we've got that as a backup option if necessary. Carrie, uh, last one, and then we can actually get into the matchup. It's that confusing, this scenario, that we haven't even been able to talk about the games yet. Who has the tiebreaker between you and Victoria if you split? Uh, we do, yeah. We okay. did. We have the tiebreaker there. We looked at that, and again, it goes through the top-ranked opponents at home, and in that scenario, it came down to... Who was that that we were looking at? Um, can't remember who that came. I think it was Alberta, and... <laughs> I can't even remember. We do. We have the tiebreaker. We've been looking at a number of different scenarios, but I know for sure that we have the tiebreaker in that situation. So basically a split, and you might be guaranteed to go to the regional championships. We'll be much more comfortable yeah. with the sweep. But if it did come to that, then yes, we would still be okay to get to the, to the regional. Okay, Carrie. took about five minutes there. Yeah. Tell us about the matchup, you and Victoria. Uh, we're feeling pretty good about it. Um, you know, they, they're traditionally a very strong program, but they've been hit pretty hard with injuries this year as well. They've lost their starting post player, Kayla Dykstra, who's the former CIS Player of the Year, um, to an ACL injury in December. Um, and they were down already with their numbers, uh, so they're only about eight or nine active players. So they're quite young, um, you know, pretty structured in what they do offensively. And I think, you know, we've got, we're feeling really confident in our matchup with them, but. You know, are we going to be able to get a consistent performance from Friday night to Saturday night from all the people that we need to to get performances from is, is the question. So, um, Carrie, your team uh, this season got off to a slow start. Then you went on a real big winning streak. Um, had a tough weekend two weeks ago getting swept in Regina. Uh, one of those games by 31 points, mm -hmm. although you only lost by six on the Saturday. Mm -hmm. Squeaked it out versus Thompson Rivers in two games last weekend by seven and nine points. How is this UBC women's basketball team faring? We we have a lot of weapons, but it's how often can we get all of those weapons performing on the same night? And again, with back-to-back -back nights, um, you know, on Thompson Rivers this past weekend, Alex, we played very well both weekends, you know, doing a lot for us scoring, doing a lot for us on the boards. And then we had a couple other players step up in each of the games, but, you know, from our starting unit, we've got four players that all average between about 9 to 12 to 13 points a game and we need all of them producing those sorts of numbers every game and we're still struggling to get that night to night. Yeah, Carrie, uh, you know, you go back to some of the recent UBC teams that won national championships that you played with. Uh, you played with a great player, Sheila Townsend. She was a high scorer. Erica McGinnis used to do it for you guys. Uh, nobody, Zara Huntley and Alex Buick, both averaging 12 points per game. Leah St. Pierre at 11. I take it benefits and things that hurt you with not having that real top scorer, hey? Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, in the four players that are averaging 9 to 12 points a game are capable of getting 18, 20, 22 points a game on any given night as well. So there is that potential for some of them to break out and have a really strong night. So, you know, in that sense, having four players that are definite scoring threats, you know, can make it very difficult for other teams to play against us. But, you know, in a way as well, having a, not having a go-to 17-point player person 
every night, you know, is also a bit of a question mark about who's going to, who are we going to have the ball in their hands at the end of the game when we need to get a bucket. So we're still sorting that out. And again, we've had girls show in different games and in different moments that they can step up and do that for us. So we feel we've got all the weapons that we need. It's just making sure that everyone's on the same page. Uh, Carrie, I do have to say, though, one of the disconcerting things with your basketball team, and, you know, your hope is maybe to win a national championship or get out of regionals, win the Canada West, is your records, when you look at it, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and Regina, the top three teams, 0-6, and, and everybody else you've lost to only once, and that's one loss to Alberta, who's in fourth place. So you've won all the games you should have, but you haven't been able to take one off of the top teams, eh? Yeah, I can think, you know, off the top of my head, all those top three teams that we've played, we've had one close game with them both times, you know. And uh, I think even some of the games, you know, Saskatchewan we played very early on. That was our league our league opener this year. And, you know, we came out, had a tough one with them, one of the games and then uh, not as close one on the, the next game. But, you know, against Regina, we were right there in one of the games. And I think... You know, we're starting a little bit with our Friday night games, how are we going to come out, and it's it's like we test the water a little bit, and I think the girls have to have some confidence in what they're able to do, and if we can get coming out a little bit stronger on the Friday night right away, um, then I think that's going to make a big difference. And we've, we've talked a lot, too, with the girls, but over the course of the year, the reasons that we've lost some of those games is getting consistency with our defense. And the games that we've played well, the games that we have blown teams out of the water have been the games that we're defending really well and we're disciplined with what we're doing, we're sticking to the game plan and you know they've they understand the importance of that so i think when we can get that consistently um, that's going to make a big difference we try and fuel our offense a lot with what we can do on the defensive end so if we can get some stops and get out and get running that's going to make a big difference for us against some of these teams awesome good stuff carrie watts with us right now carrie thank you so much for doing this thank you very much and uh how was your valentine's day with your husband former ubc men's baseball player darren watts I think we both got home at about 8.30 and shared a piece of cake and then hit the couch. All right, that was my interview with Carrie Watts. That's it for our show today. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests, Nate Yu and Vern Knott from the UBC Thunderbird men's basketball team, athletic director Bob Phillip, and finishing off the show with Carrie Watts. Mike with Flex Your Head is coming up in just a moment right now. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're athletes. You're in good shape. You guys can do it. Carrie, thanks. Thanks so much for
from Wisdom and Chains, and you're listening to the Flex Your Head Show on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver, British Columbia. Hey, 